So I'm excited to be able to share with you a little bit about who I am because you guys all see Cameron, and, and I, I know some of you, but obviously I don't know all of you. I don't get to talk to everybody. And so I'm excited to kind of share a little bit about who I am today. And something that some people know about me, um, people close to me know it very well, is that I am sort of a bookworm. I love books. I love reading. I could be perfectly perfectly content just wandering around a bookstore or a library. That's kind of my shopping addiction is books. And I just, I, I love reading. I love all different kinds of stories, you know, whether they're true stories or fiction or, or love stories, of course, because I'm a girl. I love a good love story. But I love all kinds of stories. I just love them. And I know it's not just me, right? All of us love a good story. Our entertainment is basically based around these stories, whether it's a movie or TV show, book, even a song, you know. Do we have any country music fans out there? Be proud. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually recently getting into country music. I always hated country music, but I, I'm getting into it recently. And one thing about country music they always say is that they tell these stories in it. These country music singers are these storytellers. They they, you know, they get you sucked, they can make you cry. You know, I've cried from listening to a country song, and it's crazy that, you know, they can, in four minutes, make you cry and get you sucked into this story. Um, but, you know, country music stars are great storytellers, and they suck us in, you know? <laughs> Another thing is that Jesus taught in stories. You know, if you start to read the Bible, you see that Jesus didn't just preach a message like, we do. He did sometimes, but oftentimes he would just tell a story, and he would teach through that. He'd tell a story about something, an everyday thing, and he'd pull out little things out of it to, you know, illustrate certain points about it. And I think that's because there's something about stories. Stories are powerful. You know, they can make us laugh. They can make us cry. And we feel this special connection to stories. Sometimes a certain story will just resonate with us and just make us feel something. And so today I want to talk to you about a story. And that story is not in the Bible, believe it or not. It's not a story that I wrote. But today I want to talk to you about your story. So if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus you have a story. You have kind of, you know, you might not have thought about it before, but this story of how you came to faith, how you became a Christian. And if you've been in church for a while, you might have heard the word testimony. Um, and it's the same thing. It's, it's just kind of this account of, of what happened, what, what changed in your life, how did you become a Christian, how you came to faith. And so for our purposes today, I'm going to refer to this as your story. So we're going to talk about your story today. And I want to ask you a question to start off. And by the end of today, I hope that you have an answer to it. But I want to ask you, do you have a story worth telling? Is your story, your faith story, is it worth telling? And I think if most of us would answer that, we would say no. Or the way we live would indicate that we thought no. Because, you know, whether it's you've kind of grown up in church and you've kind of had this relationship your whole life, and you feel like you don't really have this crazy story of how you came to faith. It just kind of happened. You know, sometimes people can feel like that. Like, I don't really have a story. It, it just has always been there. Or maybe, you know, you realize you have a story, 
but you can't imagine actually sharing it with anybody because that would just be weird and, you know, people would think of you differently. Or maybe the way that you live doesn't always line up with your story. And you think, you know, I can't imagine actually telling my story because the way I live doesn't always match up with it. So wherever you find yourself today, I hope to convince you of this one point today, and that is that God is writing your story for others' faith and for his glory. God is writing your story for others' faith and for his glory. So certainly none of our stories are finished. All of us in this room are alive and breathing, and we're, we're somewhere, wherever you find yourself. Some of us are farther along. Some of us might be right at the beginning, but all of us find ourselves somewhere in this story. And so to start off, I want to look at a man's story in the Bible, and I want it to kind of be our foundation as we talk today about stories. And so that story is in John 9, 6 through 25, and I'm going to read it for you. It says, Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the same one. They asked, Who healed you? What happened? They told him, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked him, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can, he see, how can he now see? His parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, He is old enough. Ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this, because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. So we find this man who had been blind from birth, it says, and Jesus comes along and in this bizarre turn of events decides to spit in the dirt and make mud and put it on this man's eyes. You know, can we just stop and realize, like, how weird that would be? Like, if that actually happened, that would be really weird. So Jesus does this, and he tells him to wash it off, and you can only imagine what this man was thinking. And so he goes and washes it off, and he can see. And, you know, we see after this, the religious people didn't like this, and they're just questioning him and questioning him. They bring him in twice for questioning. They bring in his parents, and they just want to know. And we... So we see this man, and I want to focus on verse 25, because it says, I don't know whether this man is a sinner, 
But I know this, I was blind and now I can see. And I want to focus on this verse and keep it in our minds for the rest of this message because I think this is a great example of a man telling his story. Because this last verse was this man's story at this point. I was blind and now I can see. Eight words. And I want to use this as our foundation as we talk about telling our stories because I believe that sharing our stories doesn't have to be more complicated than this. I think we make it a lot more complicated than it has to be. You know, obviously this man didn't know a ton about Jesus. As we read in the passage, these religious leaders are questioning him and they're asking him, you know, well, is he a sinner? Is, is he a prophet? And we see this man answers either, I don't know, or I think he might be a prophet. He didn't know a ton about what just happened. All he knew is that he was blind, and now he could see, and that was it. And he shared it. And, you know, I believe that all of us have a story, if you're a Christian, that can kind of fit into this statement, that fits into this formula, that because of Jesus, I was blank, and now I'm blank. Because when we meet Jesus, we change, don't we? You know, I've heard it said that meeting Jesus is like getting hit with a Mack truck. You can't look the same afterwards. And so if you've met Jesus, if you've experienced him, something has changed in your life, whether it's something on the inside or whether it's something on the outside. You know, maybe yours is, you know, I was addicted, but because of Jesus, now I'm set free. Or, you know, my marriage was almost destroyed And because of Jesus, it's restored now to better than it ever was. Or maybe it's something like, I was depressed and now I have joy. Whatever it is, there's something in your life, if you've met Jesus, there's something that's changed. There's something that you can fit into that formula that tells your story, just like this man did. I don't think it has to be more complicated than that. Whether it's eight words, ten words, I believe that we all have one of them, and we can all make that statement and share that statement. Because... God didn't just give us these stories to think about. You know, he didn't just change us. It's, it's amazing that Jesus has changed us and done things in our lives, but he wants us to share those things. You know, if this man would have just gone home and thought about what had happened and reflected on it, you know, maybe written it in his journal, we wouldn't be talking about it today. You know, God gives us these stories so that we can share them. And I was thinking about it, you know, Obviously, Jesus wanted to heal this man, and he could have healed him any way he wanted to. He could have just had this man wake up one day and be able to see. But he chose to give him this bizarre story of putting mud over his eyes and washing it off and then being able to see. And from my experience, that's what Jesus tends to do to us too. He does it throughout the Bible, and he still does it today. He gives us these stories, but they're not just for us to think about. They're for us to share with others. And I believe there's two reasons that he gives us these stories. And it's to share with others and for God's glory. You know, I mentioned before that I think a lot of us, the reason why we don't share our stories is because we don't feel like we're good enough Christians. Or, you know, we don't feel like we have it all figured out. So I'm not going to share what Christ has done for me because I don't really know all the implications of it yet. I don't... I don't know if my life really matches up with it yet. You know, a couple years ago, I was in a group um, with some girls, and 
I remember there was this one girl who would come back week after week, and she would always say, you know, I just don't feel like I can self call myself a Christian yet. You know, I, I believe in Jesus, but I, I don't think I'm actually like a Christian yet. I can't actually tell people that yet. And she would say that week after week. And this girl had experienced Jesus. You know, she was coming to this group week after week. She was reading the Bible. And yet she felt like she couldn't call herself a Christian because maybe she didn't have everything figured out yet. Maybe she didn't have all the answers to all the questions yet. And it just broke my heart to hear her say that week after week because I know that that's not what God wants for us. You know, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says, you know, you must do this, this, and this before you can call yourself a Christian. You know, it says that when we believe in Jesus, we're saved. And you can call yourself a Christian even if you don't have it all figured out. You know, we don't have to have it all figured out to come to Christ. And we certainly don't have to to call ourselves a Christian. And I I think that's really... Um, you know, just a lie from the enemy to get us to hold in our stories, to not say we're a Christian. Because when we do, it encourages others and it gives God glory. So the enemy will try to speak those things to you in order to get you to keep your story in. But God isn't asking us to have all the answers. He's just asking us to share our experiences. You know, I wonder what would happen if we responded like this blind man that we see, this example that we have, where he, he's being questioned constantly. I, I counted eight times where they asked him questions. It said they brought him in again for these, this questioning. And this man just responds, I don't know. You know, I don't know all there is to know about Jesus. I don't know if he's a sinner. I don't know if it was wrong that he healed on the Sabbath. But I know this, that I was blind and now I see. And I think that's a great example for us when we share our story You know, that we might not have all the answers, but we can still share what Jesus did for us. We can still share that experience that he gave us. The other thing is, you know, people can't argue with your story. These Pharisees tried really hard to argue with um, this man's story, didn't they? You know, asking him all these questions. And at the end of it, they simply couldn't argue with the fact that this man was blind. You know, they probably knew him you know, around the neighborhood from since the time he was a little boy. You know, you think about this, knowing this kid, that he was blind from birth. You know, he could never see. And all of a sudden, one day, he can see. And they can't argue with that, the change. And it's the same thing with us. You know, people can't argue with the change that Jesus has done in your life. You know, no matter if you don't know all the the answers to all the questions that people may have, people simply can't argue with your story. And I think... Telling our stories can be so much more powerful than just, you know, trying to convince people of why they need Jesus or, you know, telling people that they're wrong. Just simply sharing our experiences can be so much more powerful. You know, I talked in the beginning how sometimes stories can inspire us. And for me, somebody who inspires me is Christine Kane. And we played a message of hers earlier this year. And she's this, um, this woman who I really look up to. You know, I read her books. And, and when I hear her share her story, I just get this feeling. You know, I feel inspired. And it just it makes me want to serve God more and, and to be better. That's what her story does to me. It gives me this feeling. You know that feeling you get? I know you've probably all heard stories, whether it's been in church, maybe Cameron sharing a story, or 
if it's been, you know, hearing somebody's story um, in history, when you, you're just inspired and you just connect to this certain story. And I want to tell you today that that's what your story is meant to do to somebody else. Your story is meant to give somebody that feeling. And when we hold in our stories, we rob people of that feeling. We have to share that feeling because there's somebody in your life, there's somebody, whether you work with them, they're in your family, in your friend circle, there's somebody who needs to hear that story that you have. There's somebody who's going to connect with it, and they're going to get that feeling, that feeling that we've all experienced before from your story, though. That's why we need to share our stories. You know, um, after a weekend of services, Saturday night and Sunday, almost every day, whether it's over lunch or on the drive home, me and Cameron pretty much go back and forth the whole time, and we talk about different things that happened over the weekend, good things, and most of the time it's made up of stories that we hear from you guys, um, different things that God's doing in your life. You know, I'll say, you know, I heard this person, God answered this prayer, and it's, it's amazing. And, and he'll say, oh my gosh, did you hear about this person? And God spoke to them today. And we just go back and forth, and we just share these stories. And the reason we do that is because when you hear those stories, doesn't it make you just think, wow, how great is God? You know, that he's working in people's lives. It just encourages our faith so much to know that God's working in other people's lives. And it just makes you stop and it reminds you how good God is, that he cares so much and that he's not just working in your life, he's working in people's lives all over our church. And it's so encouraging and that's why we need to share our stories, not only with, you know, our friends and family, but just with each other. We need to share those stories to inspire each other, to build each other's faith. That's why God gave them to us. And the second reason I believe that God gives us these stories to share, it's not just for each other, it's not just to make us feel good, it's for God's glory, and because he truly gets the glory from these stories. So I want to take a look real quick at another man's story in the Bible. And you might have heard this one before. It's called The Prodigal Son. And this is a story that Jesus told. This is one of those stories that he told to illustrate a point. And in this story, he's using the son to represent us, and he's using the father to represent him. So let's read this. It's in Luke, where is it? 15, 11 through 24. And it says, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. 
But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate this with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And so we see this story um, that Jesus told of this son who basically goes to his dad and says, you know, I don't want to wait for you to die, so can I just have my money now? And his father graciously gives him the money. He, he gives him his inheritance early. And this man packs his stuff, leaves home, heads out to what would probably be like our Vegas, and just blows it. Just completely blows all this money, which was probably a very large amount. So he spends this in a really short amount of time, and he finds himself with no money, no shoes, in a pig pen, thinking that the food they were giving the pigs looked really good. And so he begins to prepare this speech to go home that he might deliver to his father that maybe his dad would take him on as a servant. So I want us to keep that story in your head for a minute. And while we just process that a little bit, I want to share with you a story from my own life. And some of you may not know that I've known Cameron for quite a long time. We actually grew up together. We were kind of raised in the same church together, so we've known each other for a long time. I've known the whole family for as long as I can remember. So we kind of grew up in church together, but he's four and a half years older than me, so there's a little bit of an age difference there. So there was always some separation between us. We were never like real close friends or anything. But Cameron... Um, began to do this college ministry at the church we were both at. And so Cameron had been doing this ministry for um, a while, a few years, and I was never old enough to go. Um, So when I graduated high school, I was so excited to be able to go to this college ministry that he was running. So I go, it's my first night, I just graduated high school, and I'm ready to like, I'm a college kid now, you know, I'm so excited. And So I go, and Cameron gets up to talk, and he shares that he felt called to plant a church in LaSalle, and that, you know, he told us these stories about how he had been in England and how God had really um, confirmed this call on his life, and that he was actually going to be leaving the ministry and going to plant this church, and he announced it on my very first night. (laughs) So that was a bummer. Um, I was a little sad by that. So, but as he, as he kept talking, you know, and, and kind of laying out his vision for this church that he felt that God had called him to plant, you know, he invited people to pray, and, and if they felt led to go, to let him know, because, you know, if, if God was calling more people to this plant, that he was gonna, you know, he wasn't gonna hold them back. So, I remember thinking, like, that was crazy, but I just felt the Holy Spirit, like, telling me that, I was supposed to go. I was supposed to be part of this church plant, which seemed crazy at the time. You know, I was 18 years old, super young. What did I know about planting a church? And yet I felt like this feeling that that was me. I was supposed to go. So I told him that night, and I told him that I felt called to go. And he says to this day, he was shocked that, like, I came and told him I wanted to be part of this church plant. He's like, I totally didn't expect that. But I just felt God calling me to it. So we step out in this church plant. It was about 17 people all together, and we're figuring this thing out, and we were meeting, and, and, you know, 
seeking God and studying and doing all this planning. And one of the ways we got ready was we did the Alpha course as a team. And, you know, Alpha is something you're going to hear a lot about in the next coming weeks. I know several of you have already been through the Alpha course. And we do it a lot here as a church. And it started way back then, in um, 2009, I think, we did our first Alpha course as a team. And if you're familiar with Alpha, you know that we meet on a weekly basis, and then there's this one special Saturday that we meet. And sometimes we'll refer to it as the weekend away or the Holy Spirit weekend. And what happens there is we learn about the Holy Spirit. We spend time studying it and listen to talks about it and kind of just understanding truly what the Holy Spirit is, Um, not, you know, what we've seen on TV or, you know, but what the Bible says about it. And at the end of the day, there's a portion of time where we pray and we invite the Holy Spirit to come. And if there would anything that the Holy Spirit would want to speak, that he would be able to speak that. And so we were in this time of prayer, and Cameron and Deb were going around praying for people, and they got to me, and they began praying for me, and Cameron was praying, and Cameron said, you know, Amy, I feel like God wants me to give you this verse, and it's Luke twenty-two thirty-one, and it says, when, it was when Jesus was talking to Peter, and it says, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. So that was encouraging, you know. Um, So he also says, Amy, when I look at you, I see something that I don't see when I look at any other woman, which I had no idea what that meant either. I was like, is that a good thing? I don't know. So I was left a little bit confused by that. Um, But... I kept it with me. I wrote it down, even though I didn't understand. I read the passage um, to get in context that verse he gave me. I read it and tried to understand, and, you know, I thought I I understood it pretty well. Um, But, you know, time went on, and we kept, we finished up Alpha. Uh, Months passed, and we were in this period of time where we were helping out a church in Princeton, New Hope Church. Um, in a season of our church plant, we helped out this church, and we attended it each week. And so every Sunday, I would have this long drive to Princeton. And I really actually learned to love it because I would, you know, pray and listen to worship music and stuff and just get ready for the service. And there was this one morning in particular where I was feeling extremely discouraged. And it it wasn't just that day. It had been a while um, of just feeling, you know, depressed and and just, like, I had nothing to offer to this church plant. Like, like I kept hearing these, these whispers of, like, why are you even here? You know, you have nothing. What do you know? You're 19 years old or 18, however old I was. Like, what are you really going to do to minister to people? You know, I was feeling spiritually like I, I needed help. Like, I wasn't where I needed to be. And so I just was hearing, like, how are you supposed to minister to people when you need ministered to, you know? And I was hearing these things, and I remember thinking, like, who am I kidding? Like, I need to step out. And so I, I realized, like, I wanted to tell Cameron that that day. I wanted to pull him aside and tell him that, you know, I felt it was time that I stepped out, that, um, you know, I, I just wasn't the right person for this. And... I even thought about, like, okay, so where am I going to go to church now? And, like, after I leave, what am I going to do and stuff? 
So I go to church, and, you know, I felt like sick, just like my stomach was sick. And I go into church, and I remember just praying, like, God, just please speak to me, uh, just feeling desperate for something, because I just felt, like, desperate for, for God to say anything. And, you know, I went through worship, and I remember just that sick feeling, not being able to worship and not really getting into it. And Pastor Laura took the stage and started her message, and I have no idea what her message was about that day. But she starts, and right off the bat, she reads a verse, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And it was kind of in that moment where I realized what was happening and why Cameron had given me that verse. You know, this exact thing that the verse that Jesus was telling Peter was happening to me. You know, the enemy was speaking to me, and I was believing it, you know, that, that I was supposed to leave, and that I wasn't cut out for this, and that I had nothing to offer. And so Satan had asked to, to tear me away from this. And God just showing me that verse, speaking it to me months before, and bringing it up again, just brought so much confirmation to me to realize, you know, okay, I see what's happening here, and that I'm not going to let the enemy win. I'm going to, you know, stay where I know God wants me to be. And I remember right after the service, um, Deb was sitting up a few rows ahead of me on the left, and she just turned around and looked at me, and she said, that message was for you, wasn't it? And I said, yes, you know, as if I needed further confirmation. But later on, I told Cameron, I shared with him that story that, you know, that verse that he'd given me, that, you know, she spoke it again and how, like, it, I was thinking about leaving. And how, I told him the whole story. And, and so he passed it on to Pastor Laura. And he said, you know, as an encouragement, you know, your message really spoke to one of the girls in my church plant. That verse, I prayed for her with it. And she said, really? Because that verse wasn't even in my message this morning. She's like, I added it in last minute. So there's no doubt I couldn't make that, you couldn't make that story happen if you tried. You know, like, that's just something God does. And there's no way that's a coincidence. You know, another thing I got clarity on through that experience, um, well, okay, I should say this. So two years later, I never thought that in that very place I stood, Cameron would be proposing to me. Because there was no romantic stuff before, you know, when I had this experience. We, we were just friends and everything. But I, I got clarity to that other part that he had spoken to me that, you know, about being, seeing something different in me than any other woman. And, you know, two and a half years later, Pastor Laura married us. And, you know, I certainly never thought I'd be on this stage right now telling you all about it. So I want to go back to that story about the prodigal son. And I promise I'm about to be done. <laughs> so, although this story is called The Prodigal Son, this story isn't actually about the son, right? Everything we love about this story is about the father. You know, you think about this story of the prodigal son. The true story is that, you know, this, this guy was, took advantage of his father. You know, he was really rude. He basically said, you know, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want my money now greedy, he's foolish, spends all this money in a short amount of time, obviously didn't have very good judgment, ends up in a pig pen. You know, does that story inspire anyone? Is that a great story that we would share? Probably not. 
the story gets good when we add in the father into it, that you see this picture of this gracious father, that the son's preparing this speech, and the father doesn't even hear it. He doesn't even want to hear it. He just is waiting. It says he was, he was looking every morning for this son, and he finally sees him come home, and he just accepts him with open arms, even though he was living in a pig pen. He doesn't even want to hear his speech. He just accepts him. And, you know, the same is true about the story I just shared with you. My story is not one worth telling. I felt like giving up, and I was about to walk away. You know, that doesn't make a good story. What makes a good story is God, when you insert him into it. Because if he wouldn't have intervened in that situation, you know, that that wouldn't be a good story. It's him that makes it a good story. My story isn't about me. It's about him. Just as the prodigal son story isn't about the son, it's about the father. And your story isn't about you, it's about him. That's why we can be confident in sharing our stories. I can be confident and tell you that story because I know it's not about me. It has nothing to do about how good I am. It actually probably shows the opposite. And that's why you can be confident in sharing your story because it really doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with God and how good he is. Our stories tell more about what God did, and they more so tell about who he is. You know, if you think about that story of the prodigal son, it shows how God is passionate about the lost, how he waits for them and he looks for them, and his heart aches for those who are far away from him. And his compassion and his mercy, like we sang about today, that he accepts people even if you've been living in a pig pen for who knows how long, he accepts them with open arms. And my story shows, you know, just how much God will do to, to keep me where I, he wanted me to be. You know, that he has such attention to detail, that he cares about the littlest things and, and that he would speak to me months before and bring it up again. It just shows how good he is and how great he is. You know, we don't hear that story of the prodigal son and think, what a great son. Like, he was awesome. You know, we think, what a great father. Because he was the one who was extravagant in that story. The son didn't do anything special. It was the father who, who was the one worth talking about. You know, God could have made our stories all the same, but he didn't. He made them all different and all unique. And we all have stories that are all different. And they show different parts of who God is. You know, my story is going to show a different part of God than your story is. And that's why we need to share them. You know, by, by telling our stories, we tell about who God is. And that's why we can have the confidence to share them. Because they're not really about us. So God is writing your story for others' faith and for his glory. I just want to give you some application today. And then we're going to be done. So today, you know, maybe you don't have a story and you know it. You don't have this experience where you came to God. Um, but maybe today a part of you is interested in doing that. And what I would challenge you to do is we're going to have an Alpha course coming up here soon in September. And my challenge to you would be to go to Alpha. Go and share why you believe what you believe. Um, explore some of the questions that you have. And come to the Holy Spirit weekend and just see if God would say something to you. Just give him the opportunity that if he wanted to speak something to you, that he could. You know, the worst thing that could happen is you get 10 free meals and then you just go back to life as you know it. It's really not a big risk. 
So that's my challenge to you. Come to Alpha, sign up, make a commitment to come. Come to the Holy Spirit weekend and see if God wouldn't say something to you. You know, maybe you just haven't really ever thought about your story. Maybe you never really thought about the change that took place in you. So maybe today that's what you need to do. You need to identify how you changed since Jesus has come in your life. You know, like the blind man said, I was blind and now I could see. What is your statement? What is it that Jesus changed in you? Maybe you just need to identify that today. And once you identify it, you need to share it with others. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, because there's someone in your life who needs to hear that story. It's going to connect with somebody. And that's why Jesus gave it to you, so you would share it with others. Maybe you don't just need to tell your story, though. Maybe you need to hear stories. You know, it can be discouraging, you know, living a Christian life. And, and we can get down and we can get discouraged. And like I said, I know what that's like. And we need to surround ourselves with people who believe the same as we do, who can encourage us and pick us up when we're down. And that's why groups are so important. You need to join a group and be surrounded by people who can encourage you, who can hear your stories and share stories that they have as well. Maybe today you need to make a commitment, put on your calendar August 30th, which is our next group link, where you can come, check out all the groups we have. You can join Alpha, you can join a different group, and figure out which group you need to go to in order to be encouraged. Because we all need to hear stories. They remind us of how good God is, and they, they build our faith, and they make us stronger. You know, you don't need to get on stage and tell 100 people your story. You just need to get in a group and share it with 10 people and let them share your stories and let them build your faith. So what would happen if we all began to share our stories? You know, I think that when we begin to share our stories, God is going to give us more stories because if he can trust us to tell them, he's going to give us more of, it, more of them because they bring him glory and they build others' faith. So God's going to give us more stories the more we tell them. You know, our stories aren't over. None of your stories are over. Wherever you're at, however your story's been so far, it can change. It can be better than it has ever been. Your next chapters could be the most exciting yet if you let God write them. If you take whatever next step you need to take today, if you take it, God will write your best chapters yet. So let me ask you again. Do you have a story worth telling? Is your story worth telling? I hope the answer that comes to your mind is yes. And not because of how good you are, but because of how good God is. You know, we don't have to have all the answers to share our stories. We just need to share our experiences. God's writing your story for others' faith and for his glory. Bow your heads and let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much um, for this day, for these people that you've brought in, that you've brought us here on purpose, that each of, and every one of us are here on purpose for a reason. And God, I just pray that you would meet each person where they're at, God, whether um, somebody um, just, just needs you to speak to them today. I pray that you would and that you would continue to, that you would give people the courage to ask you for a story that they would give you an opportunity for a story um, if they need to. And God, for those of us who have a story and we know it, I pray that you would give us just boldness and courage like never before, that we would be able to go out and just share our story passionately and be confident about it because we know it isn't about us. It's all about you. And I just thank you so much, God, for this day. I thank you for everything that you've done. Jesus, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Thank you guys so much. Have a great week.